0: This is a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, The Business Station.
1: Seven thirty six AM. You are listening to the Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mukhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Keith Kam. Last week, the International Energy Agency raised its twenty twenty four global oil demand growth forecast to one point two four million barrels per day, marking the third consecutive upward adjustment in recent
2: months. However, this projection still remains much lower than OPEC's more optimistic estimate of 2.2 million barrels a day. Simultaneously, the IAEA expects the IEA expects unprecedented output from key players like the United States, Brazil, Guyana, and Canada could offset the impact of production cuts by OPEC. OPEC.
0: And despite rising geopolitical tensions in the Middle East and the Red Sea, coupled with disruptions in oil production outages in the US due to extremely frigid temperatures, oil prices have remained relatively flat. So, what are the various factors weighing in on oil prices and can Oil and gas plays still see record earnings.
1: So for analysis on what's going to happen with the oil and gas sector this year, we have on the line with us Fernando Valli, Senior Equity Analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence. Fernando, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Can we start off with just your expectations for the earnings season? U.S. oil and gas players are releasing their financial year 2023 results over the next few weeks. Do you think that uh, we really should shelve any thoughts of record profits Uh, akin to what we saw in 2022. And what are kind of the trends that you're looking out for this earnings season from oil and gas players?
3: Absolutely. Good morning to everyone. Pleasure to be here with you all. Um, I think 2022 was a a record year and one that's not going to be repeated in 2023 and likely not in 2024 either. Mm. Uh, We've already seen some profit warnings from ExxonMobil, essentially showing that uh, oil uh, oil pr- profits have come down natural gas is actually balancing it out a little bit but more importantly the refining side of the equation has been much much weaker than in the third quarter and way weaker than in 2022 when we saw the best ever refining margins in the u.s so overall we're seeing lower refining margins uh lower uh, upstream the, the part of the the business that produces oil and gas especially on the oil side um But one thing that is critical is that all of these companies are still generating significant free cash flow, meaning cash flow in excess of their investments. And that cash flow continues to be sent to shareholders via dividends or share buybacks. So we're keeping an eye on uh, the level of buybacks that these companies are, are doing, if they're maintaining or if they're slowing down.
2: So, Fernando, if we talk about oil prices, uh, despite what's going on in, in Gaza and the cold weather in the U.S. that's been disrupting production as well, prices are pretty much flat. What, what is holding, holding them back?
3: I think demand. I think demand is really the answer to not just what's holding them back, but what's really keeping them from going much higher. Because if you look purely at supply, OPEC has cut back. Yes, we have some additional supply from the U.S. and other parts of the world. But it's really a demand story to us. The higher interest rates globally are weighing on investments uh, on the economy broadly, and that ultimately leads to lower oil demand. That is exactly what the Federal Reserve in the U.S. and all the other central banks are trying to do. They're trying to slow consumption so that inflation slows down. uh, And ultimately, that's reflected in energy and oil prices.
0: And do you expect this price trend to continue into 2024?
3: Uh, I believe so. I think there's very little that OPEC can do to remove supply. Uh, we are seeing growth in the US slow because the smaller players uh, cannot continue to invest at the pace that they were. There is a, uh, a lag effect because you can't, uh, your production usually uh, is ahead six months of your investment decision. So there's a little bit of a slowdown that's happening now and we'll see throughout the remainder of the year. But ultimately, We think that the real story is around the consumer and how stretched the consumer globally, but especially in the U.S., uh, is with credit card debt, uh, home, home insurance debt, and all the other factors that have been weighing on their consumption.
1: Can we talk about consolidation in the industry? So last year, ExxonMobil announced plans to acquire oil producer Pioneer. And uh, less than two weeks later, Chevron agreed to uh, take over of Hess. Are we going to see more consolidation in the future? And how will that change the industry landscape?
3: Uh, Absolutely. Uh, And following that, you actually had Occidental acquiring CrownQuest, which is a private shale producer. Uh, And so it's just kickstarting more and more consolidation uh, what's happened is that Exxon and, and Chevron took two of the best available assets off the market with Pioneer and Hess. And so the, the large and medium-sized players that they compete with will need to find resources to continue driving down their overall cost and ensuring that they have enough resources to to continue fast-scale growth. Uh, with, there's still a lot of money in private equity that owns U.S. shale areas so we expect to see transactions accelerate and potentially create larger mid-sized companies than there uh, have been in the in recent years.
0: Okay, so related to this is, of course, uh, way back in November, ExxonMobil completed its acquisition of Danbury. It's a carbon solutions provider. In terms of M&A, then, do you see these oil and gas companies particularly pursuing these low-carbon solution providers, anything that makes them perhaps more carbon neutral?
3: Yeah, I think they have been, but it's been more sporadic. And uh, Danbury was a very unique resource because they have a pipeline that runs right across several of Exxon's large refining assets. So it really saved Exxon a lot of time and trouble because they don't need to build a new pipeline to carry CO2. Uh, So Danbury was a unique uh, player. There aren't a lot of those left as it stands right now unless more CO2 pipelines can be built. But we saw Chevron, for example, acquire Renewable Energy Group in 2021. Uh, and we, we're definitely seeing a trend towards both liquid renewable fuels and carbon capture uh, within the US majors. And we think that will accelerate over the next two, to three years.
2: But Fernando, um, we are noticing that companies seem to be acquiring rather than shedding fossil fuel production. I, I'm just wondering what this might mean for their net zero plans and which player players have been leading in aligning with Paris emissions targets?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a the big dichotomy between the U.S. majors and the European majors that haven't been nearly as acquisitive, BP and Shell, uh, that have done more in the solar and wind side of the equation uh, and less on the carbon capture side. Uh, it's a different of, uh, difference of opinion. Essentially, Exxon and Chevron are saying we want to keep the existing infrastructure and we're going to use carbon capture to reach, the, reach those net zero Targets. They're also not as stringent on their targets as the European companies are. Uh, meanwhile, BP and Shell have said they they don't want to grow uh, like Exxon and Chevron uh, because they are more cognizant of their net zero emissions. That's more important to them right now than just growing their corporate profits.
1: It's still a long way to November, uh, Fernando, but I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on how the U.S. elections could impact oil and gas policymaking. I mean, do players see a difference between how Biden or Trump approach uh, the oil and gas sector?
3: Well, absolutely. There has been a difference in uh, just uh, as uh, President Biden took over in the U.S., he uh, put a halt on permitting. Uh, It didn't have a significant effect uh, in the industry itself. They had prepared for it. Um, there is hope that there could be an easing of some of the r- restrictions on pipelines and mm-hmm. potentially on the incentives to electric vehicles and other carbon reducing targets under a Trump uh, administration that would uh, then just by consequence, foster more oil and gas and fossil fuel. Um, I think whichever way you, you cut it, energy security has come back into the fray. And both parties are very cognizant that they have to address energy security and energy affordability. So, regardless of whether it's President Trump or President Biden that takes over uh, next year, that uh, will be in the forefront for Washington. And and uh, there is a a position for uh, oil majors to address energy security and energy affordability.
0: Okay, um, what then is the outlook for the oil and gas players under your coverage for 2024? Which which companies stand out for you?
3: Well, I think Exxon, as you mentioned, from acquiring Pioneer, uh, it, they stand out because they've really done a, a lot of work to turn around uh, a, a company that had been lagging its peers. Uh, we saw Chevron and Total Energies uh have better returns on capital than Exxon, which is always the leader. Uh, for over 12 years, they led that group in, in returns on capital. And I think they've tried to address some of their uh, those issues by acquiring uh, premier assets and some by reducing costs. And now I also think they have a very unique position in Qatar with their LNG portfolio that will put them in a very strong position over 2024.
1: Fernando, thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Fernando Valle, Senior Equity Analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, talking to us about uh, the trends that he sees impacting oil and gas equities in the year ahead. One of the companies he was keeping an eye on, is Exxon. Um, how are Exxon's uh, prospects, I guess, from analyst perspectives at this stage? Well, the share
0: price is actually on a year to date
1: basis down, but I think 17
0: buys, 12 holds, no sells. Consensus target price for this stock is 124 US dollars and 18 cents this morning. Regular market hours, it was down $13 cents to $96.82. However, we do see funds being reluctant to buy this, partially because there's a lot of mandates that are flowing into the ESG space, and At this current juncture oil and gas companies for some funds don't meet that criteria
1: 7.47 in the morning we're heading into some messages but when we come back we'll discuss uh, the upcoming Indonesian elections stay tuned to BFM 89.9
3: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station For more stories of the same kind download the BFM app